Hey everybody, welcome to Master Misfits. This is a little bit different. Brandon unfortunately was unable to join us. We are doing a live stream and we have a very special guest with us. Today joining us is the one and only Dr. Greg Linville. He is here to talk about Timothy relationships and what all of that means. We've talked about it before on here a little bit. We've talked about it a lot over within the CSRM podcast. And so we are going to kind of do a combined podcast, combined recording, combined live stream, combined all sorts of different things to talk about why Timothy relationships matter, what they are, and a little bit of another side of Timothy relationships that we don't even talk about a lot within the stuff that we do. So Dr. Linville, welcome back. Oh, I think you're muted. Let's try that. You're still muted. Hey, there, we there we go. Hey, sorry about that. And thanks, Andrew. It's great to be back with you. So executive producer, Dr. Greg Linville, what do you think of our new setup? First of all, because this is the first time you've been back since we've had the new setup and everything. Yeah, I like it. And and uh, as always, you're, you're uh, pushing the envelope, uh, edge of the envelope there. You're always getting better. And, and that's what's really cool. I, I figured you meant pushing the envelope with expecting you to be able to do the fancy new studio setup from your from your home. But, you know, technology and all that fun stuff, Mr. Director of Resources also. Um, so today, though, we are going to talk through a couple of different concepts. We're going to talk Timothy relationships is the main thing that we are focusing on. So let's start by actually, Dr. Linville, let's define out what a Timothy relationship actually is. Well, it's a it's a mentoring, uh, basic, basically mentoring. There's a three main focus, foci that are out there. One would be spiritual director, and that would be the side of it that how do how can I help someone or how can someone help me go deeper in our faith, deeper in our love for Jesus, deeper in our, in our love for the for the Word of God? And then there's the the life coach aspect of it. And okay, you just had another baby, and you're in a new season of life, or you've been married for 40 years, like my wife and I celebrated this week, and we're in a new Yay. season of life. And then, and then there's that, what I think most people think about, and that is the mentoring. And that typically is the, how can I help you do the job you're doing? I've done that job, or I've been called to do that. And so there's, those are three sides of that. And that leads us right away into that it's, yes, we talk about Timothy, but there's really the Barnabas relationship and then the Paul relationship and then there's the Timothy and reliable people going down through the generations. So everybody needs a Barnabas, someone who pours into their life. And then everybody needs the Pauls that you're ministering with other peers. And then every all the Pauls are supposed to have their Timothys. 
so there you have it in a nutshell and then there is those are the relationship areas that we talk about a lot within CSRM, within the misfits, within all of our different areas. But there's one other Timothy relationship that we're going to start with that we don't talk about quite as much. We've already talked about the fact we need we need Pauls, we need Timothys, we need Barnabases. But then there's another aspect of Timothy relationships, which is the family side of discipleship and Timothy relationships. And so really, we're, we're going to start with this. This is out of 2 Timothy 1.5, when Paul is reminding or is, is telling Timothy that he sees the same faith in him that he saw in Timothy's grandmother and his mother. And that this, this faith legacy has been passed on down to him. And now, Greg, this is something that you have talked about in a few of our Argonne Institute classes, um, I think specifically the Models of Ministry class. But what what is the difference between spiritual descendants, family descendants, and what we're really talking about here, which is a combination of both? How do we actually see our family descendants also become spiritual descendants? Well, hopefully that's the case. Sometimes it's not, but yeah, and, I, and you're hitting on something that I, I don't think that a lot of people have thought about within the Christian world. We see it, or we hear it, or we actually are engaged in it in the ministry world, and it's one minister to another, uh, one missionary to another, if you will. But we don't see this in the family. We don't understand it anyway. And even what you started with there about it being a grandmother and a mother, a lot of people don't even think about it as being uh, a woman's role. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the things that's very, very significant about that passage that you, that you pointed out, that it really is irrespective of gender. It, it is both men and women, both fathers and mothers, or even grandparents or great-grandparents that are passing on their faith. And we would hope that, you know, I think God's ideal would be that there would be great-grandparents and grandparents and parents. But oftentimes, too often, far too often, a man's not even in the picture. And so it has to be the woman that does it. And so this verse in particular points that out. Now, Greg, one thing that, you know, we've we've talked about a lot, anybody that has taken your classes knows, is that the, the role of a minister does a lot of stress, a lot of chaos for the family of that minister as well. So for you, you know, you just said you and Jane have celebrated 40 years, you know, just this past weekend. Yeah. And by the way, we've had 37 good years of marriage. Right. 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 <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, we, how have you modeled this idea to, to your kids as far as, you know, you, you have kids, you have grandkids, you know, you've got at least, you know, two generations in front of you right now. What are you doing actively for this idea of a Timothy relationship within the family? How, how have you and Jane structured your ministries and your lives to be able to reach your kids? 
Well, it's a great question. And I, I can hope only hope that I have done what I'm getting ready to say. And, you know, let's th that's, that's pause for just a second. And let's just take that minister who, who might be tuning into this or anybody who's not a minister. And the minister, they really do get this when they do ministry, but they don't do it with their family. And that's one of the biggest mistakes because our first ministry is to our family. And as I read the scriptures, unless we are doing fairly well at that, not perfect, nobody's perfect. I just said 40 years and there's been a week here and a month there and a day there that we haven't done very well in those 40 years, but overall it's been good. And so family's our first ministry. And so what does that mean? In the same way that I as a minister would reach out to that Timothy, that younger minister, and try to spend time with them, try to take the the extra initiative to pray for them, take the extra initiative to think through what it is that God's called them to do and how has God shaped their life and try to figure out the best way forward for them, whether that be an academic way forward, uh, an experiential way forward, a relational way forward, whatever. It, it, it just takes, for people in ministry, we kind of do this naturally with those people who are our ministry Timothys, but we don't do it with our kids or grandkids. And so let's just take it a step at a time. Pray. There's nothing greater than praying for your for your kids and grandkids. And I one of my most blessed belongings that I have is a diary from my great grandfather who I never met. The first time I see him is when we embrace in heaven. And yet he prayed for the future generations. He didn't even know who I was. He was just hoping that there would be me and others. And he prayed for us. And seeing my, my grandfather praying, who did know me and who did pray for me, prayed with me and for me. And then my father and mother praying for me. That's where we got to start. And I'll let you chime in here, but let's don't go any further without saying, do you have these folks in your prayer diary? Now you're muted. There we go. You know, the, the prayer side of this is something that, you know, I think we, that is something that either we overemphasize a lot of times or we underemphasize it. You know, we, we focus a lot in on just, oh, we've just got to get them into the Sunday school classes and let the pastors do their work. Or we focus on, well, we've, they're going to hear us every Sunday like everybody else is, those of us that are preaching. And so they already know what I believe and the, it'll come to them. Or we don't want to force anything on them. We don't want them to feel like the tip, you know, typical story we hear of pastors, kids of they have to believe this, this, and this. But what you, you know, what you are centering in on is the fact that if we are actively praying for our children and their children and their children, 
that is going to alleviate a lot of the pressure off of us to have to try to force something that may or may not be there already. That's exactly right. It's great, great insight. And and let me let me make it even more practical. In, in my prayer diary, I pray for some very specific things for for my kids and grandkids. I pray for that if the Lord so wills it for their spouse, their future spouse. I'm praying, obviously, now for the spouses that my my uh, kids and adopted kids have. Um, then for the grandkids. And not everybody's supposed to be married. There's a holy calling to be single, but most people end up being married. But even in this day and age, where more people live together than get married, just to pray for their marriage partner, for their spouse, their husband or their wife, that is, it, that is significant in and of itself. And then praying for the marriages once they have come. That's one area. Another area is praying that they would come to know Jesus. That each one would have a personal relationship. I've uh, There's another section there in the diary, praying for their vocation. And I'm praying that there would be at least one in each generation that would be called to a full-time Christian service. Uh, that's what my great-grandfather's prayer was. And there are a couple of my generation that are. Well, you know, that, even the wording of that is significant as well, because the idea of faithful Christian service mm -hmm. is not meaning we want to see a family of pastors going out and building up churches. It's, it, could, want, it could be right. It, it can it be, but be. there's it. It can also mean a family that is serving their local church in a way that is impacting the communities around them. It's That's a right. way of, you know, all these ministry misfits ideas that we have. That's right. My grandfather and my father and mother, none of them were vocational ministers, but they were avocational ministers and had elders, etc., of their churches and involved in many ministries. So you pray for the vocation, that they would sense God's call in their life. You pray for where they're going to be educated. You pray for their teachers and coaches and pastors and all those who will be mentoring them. I, I had very, very dear mentors of mine who said, that they realized very quickly their kids were not going to listen to them all the time. And so they began to pray for the people that their kids would listen to. This is a key. And, and that's always stuck with me, obviously. And they thanked me because I was one of those people that hopefully their kids listened to. And I still have a relationship with all four of those kids today. And, and they're, they're grown and now grandparents on, on their own. And so we have these, we have these relationships that we want to pray for that influence the lives of our kids and grandkids. And we all know what a coach can do, mm -hmm. both positive and negative. We all know what a teacher can do, et cetera, et cetera. Another area is for their own spiritual disciplines and formation. 
that they would learn the, the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of Bible study, of fasting, of, 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 of obedience to the word. Another area that I pray for these kids are is in the area of where they would live and where God would call them to. Another area is purity, that they would be pure in their lifestyle, that they would be honoring God in mind, body, and spirit. And on and on it goes, and I can give you the whole list and you can print them out if you want, but there's a whole list of things that I'm praying for my kids, even though none of them's names are Timothy. You know, this is something we've been, we have, at least within Misfits, we have been talking about a lot since the start of summer. So this would have been end of May going through. You know, we we started this discussion when we started talking about the, the Obi-Wan series. We continued the discussion with um, the Terrazas family and talking about infertility in the church. We talked about it again with Systematic Ecology, talking Obi-Wan. We talked about it with Rob Elder. We've talked about it with Tikva, all these different things of what a difference somebody that loves this child, whether it's genetic or not, what a difference somebody that loves them in a Christ-like manner, how much of an impact that actually has in development, both spiritually and physically and academically and mentally and all of these different areas. And and part of what, you know, we're we're hearing here is the fact that it starts with a willingness to pray for them. It's a humility aspect of praying for them. But one of the other things that, you know, Greg is highlighting here is the fact that we don't have to pray that they are relying on us for any of this. And I think that's something that I hear a lot from from people, especially from pastors' kids, not necessarily pastors themselves, but from pastors' kids, is this idea of that dad expected too much of himself to get them to the point they needed to. Or the kids expected too much of themselves because of who dad was to get them to the point they needed to. So, you know, Greg, we're, you know, you're, this is year 50 for you in ministry. What is it that you have seen that was the most influential for your kids specifically in this in this area? You know, was it was it a coach like it was for you? Was it you? Was it your you know, was it a grandparent? Was it Jane? Was it, you know, aunt, uncle? What kind of relationship building was really the most influential for your children that you're aware of, at least? Yeah, let me backtrack real quickly that I, I do have a grandson whose middle name is Timothy, and and I have a son in love, we call him because we love him so much, uh, whose name is Tim. But um, to your question, obviously going back, coaches, teachers, there there are people that just, they just come into your kid's life. And one of them was on our CSRM staff for uh, many years, uh, Don Renninger, who just loved to play wiffle ball and got my got my son and a couple of his buddies, and they played wiffle ball all the time. 
and uh, the coaching staff uh, of like Larry Hackenberg and Mike Brown and and uh, all you know, there's just so many that that were really influential in in my son's life and my daughter's life. Um, you know, smoke monet with my daughter and and just Brian Campbell. I mean, there were just so many that that were coaches with our kids and those teachers that 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 did these kinds of things. But you know, I we're talking about what we can do and how we can do it. And one of the best ways I found was to coach them myself. Mm-hmm. And and that that gave us a reason to be together. And I would really recommend anybody to, whether it's coaching or music or dance or something, that you find something that the kid is really into and that you can participate with them. And that's another thing that I think is really important is that we have got to just put the family time on, on our schedule. Now, that mean, if, if you're on church staff or you're working in a business world, it really doesn't matter. You always have your staff meetings. And, and what happens is somebody says, okay, we need to get together. So who's free next Tuesday afternoon? Well, if you don't have your family schedule already on your personal, in England, they call it a diary. Here we call it our, our day planner or day, whatever. Now we call them cell phones, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if you don't have that down, then you, you're answering that question say, I'm free. And so what, what I did always with my wife is say, we've got to get our family on first. Let's get the day, the whatever, and the time and get it down. Then when you're in that staff meeting, say, are you free next Tuesday afternoon? Say, I've got a previous commitment. Rarely do they ask you what it is. Mm -hmm. If everybody else can't do it either or whatever, they go to another time. But if, if they go around and say, well, okay, you two guys, you can't, you got something. And then you can say, well, this has been on my calendar for a long time. It'd be really hard for me to change. If they come back, say, you're the only one, can you do this or not? Then, okay. And then you go home and you say to your wife and kids, you say, you know, nine out of 10 times, this is it. But I'm bringing home the money. This is what I'm called to do. I'm going to lose my job if I don't cooperate at some point. And at that point, they say, oh, it's cool. The other thing I'd say about this, Andrew, is that this is more particularly for people in ministry because I think sometimes they think that what they're doing at the church or in the mission field, whatever, trumps whatever they're doing at home. Right. And they feel like it's a super spiritual thing. And, And I get that. I understand it. But sometimes even the business person says, this is more important. What I did once my kids started to reach a certain age of about 10 years of age, I went to them every year and I said, do you want me to stay doing this, doing this ministry position at the church? And for 15 years, I was at a local church on the staff, one of the associate pastors and 
in charge of this sports rec and fitness stuff and doing a few other things. But at night said, oh, yeah, dad, it's fine. It's good. No problem. My son was about 12, maybe 13. And he said, dad, why do you keep asking me this every every year? And I said, because I want you to know that you are my first ministry. I want you to know that you're more important to me than ministering to all these other people. Now, I obviously feel called to it, but I feel more called to you. And he said, Dad, don't worry about it. He said, you spend way more time with me than my friends' dads do with them, and everything's cool. And I said, well, all right. But I also know it's kind of hard sometimes to grow up in a pastor's home. Everybody's looking at you and all that kind of stuff. He said, Dad, don't worry about it. He said, it's all good. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. He says, and besides, if you if you gave up this job, you'd have to give up the key to the gym. <laughs> priorities. So, yes, priorities. To show you where he's at. But I think it starts even with even with your those of you that might be listening, watching, and you're in your courting years and you're starting to think about who are you going to marry. I went, I felt led to ask my wife to marry me. And I did. And I went and I said, Babe, um, will you marry me? And we went and I and I just shared with her some things that were why I felt that was so and why I wanted it to be so. And then she said to me, there is no honor that a man can give a woman higher than asking them to be their life partner. And I feel very, very honored. And I want to say yes. But in order for me to say yes, I want you to know that you have to say to me that I will be your first ministry. And if God should bless us with any children, that that will also be your first ministry. If you can say yes to us being the first ministry, and what I mean by that is that every single time somebody in the church or mission field or whatever ask you to do something and you say yes to that you have to understand she's saying this to me you have to understand that every time you say yes to something you're going to have to say no to something else and what often happens what i've seen in ministry is that the minister often says no to their family and that's not going to work here now this sounds really romantic doesn't it i mean we're, we're having like a business conversation in this proposal. But she was Which right. Knowing Jane does not surprise me at all. <laughs> but she was right. And, and I am so thankful that she was right. And whenever I have honored that, it has really gone well for us. And so I, I'm saying that whether you're a minister or you're a business, you've got to put your family schedule on your calendar prior to anything else it's got to be the highest priority and you know that that last thing that you said as far as that you know jane told you is really part of what we wanted to make sure got brought up here and was recorded for for posterity's sake is this idea of every yes you say to something is a no to something else and what your priorities are and all and all those sort of things. So that is a big piece to all of this. 
But, you know, the the other side of what you were talking about with your kids and with Jane both is something that, you know, again, this is not necessarily Timothy relationship related fully, but it's something that unless you unless we say it, we want to make sure that it has been said. Is that, you know, ministry in any capacity is a family commitment. And so if you are being called into minute, if you feel like you are being called into ministry and you already are married, you already have kids, you need to make sure that they are aware and are feeling the same sort of call that you are before you commit to anything. You know, I was all Micah already knew full well where where we were headed. Well, we thought we knew full well career wise where we were headed. You know, Jane knew full well with you where that where she was headed. Our kids were all born into a ministry family. Mm-hmm. But if Micah was if I were to ask Micah to marry me and I've already been involved or and I have not been involved with ministry and we get married and then a year or two down the line, it's like, oh, I feel like I need to go to seminary and get this degree and we need to start working at churches. We've got to make sure that she is feeling the same sort of call because it's going to affect her in the same way that it is in a, well, in a, in a lot of cases in a much heavier way, even than it affects us. That's right. Particularly what you're talking about, particularly as someone who has maybe a second career in ministry. Right. And they've been married for a while and they've got kids. And, and what you've just pointed out is exceedingly important for anybody that's considering a second career ministry. It's not just your call. It's your entire family's call. And it's not, you know, Jane never said, I'm going to lead the Bible studies with you. Right. But nonetheless, there's there's something that has to be committed to there. Well, and even just the time commitment of you having to be away. Yes, yes. Is enough of a commitment on her part to have to allow. That's exactly right. And but now let's back up a couple steps here, too, because I talked about you have to put the family schedule on your calendar first. Part of the way that that is helpful there is in two basic areas. One is what we call Sabbath. And one of the mentors, one of the Barnabases in my life, when I started down this road and I went to him and said, what, what would you say is really important? He said to me, Sabbath is important. But he said, sometimes we get locked into a view that it's one day a week. But he said, Sabbath is really more than that. It is that, and I'll come back to that, but it's also thinking about one-seventh of every day, of every day, not just one day in seven, but one-seventh of every day. And he said, what I have found, and he had been in ministry at that time about 15 or 20 years, he had said, what I found is that there are basically three elements of a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. You need to be working two of those. And the third one is completely off limits to anything that has to do with ministry. Now, again, Mr. Businessman or Mrs. 
businesswoman, it's applicable to you as well as it is to anybody that's in a vocational ministry. In other words, a ministry that you get paid for. Because sometimes you can think that, okay, I'm doing this and I, this is my career, but you have to have some parameters there. And so two-thirds of every day, I'm going to work a morning and an afternoon or a morning and an evening or an afternoon and an evening, but I'm not going to work all three. And the other third of that day, that Sabbath of that day needs to go towards your personal and family and marriage. Then when you add that on five, maybe six days a week, that you take a full day of Sabbath. And that could be the traditional Sabbath of Saturday. You don't do anything at all for the business, anything at all for the ministry. Those who are in ministry, it's probably going to be a Saturday or it might be a Monday. It might be another day because your main day of work often is the Lord's day that Sunday. But that day needs to be set aside and you don't do anything. And that worked out in even our family that our kids got it because they weren't allowed to do their homework for school or any schoolwork at all. They weren't allowed to play sports or anything else on the Lord's day. That was a day that they set aside. And so the parameters are one third of every day, one, at least one day in every seven, but also think about it because people, people are, Hey, I'm sinful. If you didn't know that. And, and I, can, <laughs> I, I, I can, I can get into that. Oh yeah. I didn't work this morning but I can still work 75 hours a week <laughs> and we're not made to do that. And so this is how it was for me in vocational ministry. Everybody a full work week in America at this time frame is 40 hours a week. That's what's expected. Some might be a couple hours less or more, but basically 40 hours. Now, if I'm asking people to volunteer, in my ministry, as a coach, as a Sunday school teacher, as whatever, they're working 40 hours a week. So if I'm asking them to work five hours or more, I should be willing to volunteer. So for me, and there's no magic to this, there's no biblical passage that I can point to, but for me and my house, as we served the Lord, it was 48 hours a week. 40 was what I got paid for. I volunteered eight. Why wasn't it 10? Why wasn't it five? I don't know. It was just 48. And it was basically that I'm adding one extra hour or two extra hours a day. That's kind of how I looked at it. So the parameters, one Sabbath part of every day, one Sabbath day a week, but no more than a certain amount of hours. And, you know, we're going to we're going to dive into the second half of this discussion here after after a break. But, you know, part of part of what you're talking about there is why we use the language of local missionaries for our volunteers. That's right. Is because they are taking time out of their already busy schedule to serve the local church and the local community in a missions setting. 
And so beyond just your own personal parameters, this is also good to remember for those of us running any kind of ministry of the fact that the people that are volunteering their time to work for this, we need to remind them of the same parameters as well, because their family is their first ministry as well. You know, this is before the break here, you know, part of why we wanted to talk about this is that this is right at the top of my mind over the past few months. My grandmother died back in July. And when all of us got together for the funeral, what we saw was this exact thing that we see in 2 Timothy 1.5 played out. There are, she has, there were 30 of us total there, plus four more in Africa. Wow. Now, when my grandmother and my grandfather got married, they were both high school or, you know, my grandpa actually was an elementary school dropout. Uh, Grandma was, you know, Nana was a high school, didn't finish high school, got married young and were atheists. Hmm. But now fast forward 60 years, you have three generations all in this pool. And all of the children are Christians that are either themselves in an active local missionary or vocational missions type of role, or they married somebody that was. All of their grandchildren are believers, and all, again, either themselves are involved in local church leadership, international missions, local missionary setting within their church, or they married somebody that was. And then all of the great-grandchildren that are at an age of understanding are all baptized believers. There you go. So in a 60-year span, you have three, four generations of believers all actively serving in the local church and across the globe because of these ideas that we're talking about as far as praying for them, showing them what's going on, praying for them to come across other people that will guide them in these things, taking the time both personally and as a family to make these things priorities. All of these things are not just important, but when we actually see them applied, you know, to borrow, you know, Jesus's words, we will actually reap the harvest either here or in heaven. Right. And so that is part of what we are actually going to get to as far as the non-family side. And we even have a nice surprise for you, Dr. Linville. Uh Uh-oh. When we come back from this quick commercial break. Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away, and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website, or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. 
If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. All right, welcome back. We are still here with Dr. Linville. We are still live throughout the OV Radio Network, and we are live throughout the OV Radio Network for a very specific purpose, because we are talking about Timothy relationships, which is a big piece of everything that we do within CSRM, Overwhelming Victory, Misfits, all of our different outlets. This is all a big piece to what we do. We talked at the beginning about the familial side of this, that what we do as ministers within our family matters and it makes a big difference. And we even have examples, both, you know, Greg shared about the fact, you know, his grandfather, you know, his great grandfather, grandfather, he has in writing their prayers for him. And he's even seen those prayers even come to pass in his life and in his kid's life and in his, the rest of his extended family's life. I saw this, I see this very clearly just looking at my cousins and my aunts and uncles and parents. You know, we have these examples. We can see how important this is. We talked about this from more of a cultural standpoint back in, in the summer with Obi-Wan and with the Terrazas family and with all these other different areas. But now we're going to talk to the one about the one that is more about the relationships within the church. And Greg, you already mentioned them before, but we're talking about Paul Barnabas relationships, Paul Timothy relationships, and even the Timothy to Paul relationship. Because all three of these are important to have for us personally, as well as our churches need to have these in them if our churches are actually going to see discipleship happen. Now, Greg, what you don't know is that while we talk, there may be a few other things going on. Because the reason we did this live is because you're celebrating 50 years of ministry this year. And in those 50 years, you have had multiple Paul Barnabas, Paul Timothy, Timothy Paul relationships. And you have done this to a few other people on the CSRM podcast, Celebrating Milestones. And so we thought it was only fair to do the same thing to you. So if you have been touched in some way by the ministry of Greg Linville, let us know in the comments. I've got a few emails from people. And sorry, we also have a special guest that will be joining us here in a few minutes as well once while he uh, gets service while he's driving. So, Greg, before we hear from your your many, many exploits of students and co-workers and co-laborers, let's actually start breaking down these different relationships. So the most obvious one when we talk about a Timothy relationship would be the Paul-Timothy relationship. Give us a little bit of insight into what does that what is that actually supposed to look like? Well, hopefully the, the Paul person has a little more experience um, 
maybe a little more wisdom, not necessarily a higher intellect or intelligence because intelligence is what you're gifted with, but wisdom only comes through years and through experience. So that hopefully there is that side of it, but there's, there's, there's also the, the Paul, it's a positional thing as well. It's not just, um, what you're hoping for, but it's something that you're assigned to, or you take on. And if you are a Paul, and, and I like to think of it as a Barnabas, that the Barnabas is the person who helps get the whole thing going. And of course, Barnabas, you know, the son being bar in the Hebrew language, like Nick is for the Celtic world, the son of encouragement. And hopefully the Barnabas person is the biggest encourager of those people and saying, here's where I think you need to work this thing out or think about this or grow in this area. And so there's gotta be, there's gotta be part of whether it's Barnabas to Paul or Paul to Timothy, there's gotta be some intentionality of saying, I see God's ordination in your life. How can we get you moving more in that direction? There's, there's a lot of intentionality to that. It's not just two people that enjoy spending time with, and it's not just one person who's older and the other one is younger or, or more experienced or less experienced. It is that that person that's in that Barnabas or Paul role is really caring about that person, thinking about that person, and trying to help them, help the, the, the Timothy figure out next steps all the way through. I don't know. Did I answer your question? I... Yeah, because, you know, part of what you started with there is this idea of, you know, yes, it's somebody that's not necessarily older or more experienced. It's somebody that is more mature within their faith is a big piece of this. But the other side is the fact that it's something that is not you don't go. You're not out there seeking it out necessarily. It's something that is given to you. And I think this is one thing that we miss in these discussions a lot of time is that there are some mentors, people that are trying to do this sort of relationship. that are much more of a Barnabas to somebody that want to try to make themselves Paul to somebody else that may not be willing to receive that. You know, Paul did not necessarily choose Timothy. Timothy had to choose to follow Paul as Paul followed Christ. Anyway, so the the one of the big pieces to this I think we miss with with Paul is that in order to be a Paul, you already and you know this goes into our five B's even of you've already got to be a part of a system that allows you to have the relationships with the Timothys to make Timothy actually want to come and learn from you. And Greg, this is something that you specifically have had a lot of Timothys throughout the years. You know, over 50 years, you had to have had quite a few of them. And so we're waiting for one of them to call in. Um, one of them currently is also a Barnabas to you. And he was hoping to be calling in right now, but got stuck in a staff meeting. So he sent a letter for me to read to you about your 
your guidance and the way that you have impacted him. And I won't tell you who it is until I get to the end because I want to see if you can figure it out. So it says, Greg, when I consider the Paul-Timothy relationship, I immediately think of my relationship with you. As a high school athlete, I know that, that you would often pray for me even before we met. God used you to pray for names like mine that would show up in the sports section of the Canton Repository. Little did I know that I would one day be called into ministry and sit under your leadership as a grad student at Malone University. The biggest thing you infused in young sports ministry students like me was to fan the flame of our faith through spiritual disciplines and a growing relationship of God, which is what we talked about at the beginning for family also. Not only did you teach me wonderful orthodoxy, but you taught me practical orthopraxy that I have used to grow as a minister and more importantly as a disciple of Christ. Throughout my 20 years in ministry, you have been a mainstay of encouragement, mentorship, and loving correction when I needed it. Even when ministry took me to different roles in different states, you maintained a relationship with me and your love and care have carried me through. Thank you for being the Paul in my life as a young Timothy. Your example has led me to look for Timothys in my own life and network. And as I get older and step into a Paul role, your influence continues to impact many generations of ministers. Thank you. And that message, Greg, do you have any ideas? Well, I prayed for a lot of, a lot of high school athletes. My prayer diary was the uh, repositories. Uh, that's the Canton repositories, the newspapers, uh, sports page. Uh, I have a feeling from what he said there might be Mr. Dan Stouffer. It is Mr. Dan Stouffer. That is correct. And I don't know where my bell went. There we go. Yeah, Stan Stouffer, who is currently the executive director there at CSRM. You know, and and part of the reason why we're doing this is not just to honor you and also potentially embarrass you on, you know, live internet, but because of the fact that what everybody is going to be highlighting here is exactly what we're talking about. Because what we have seen with, you know, what Dan just shared is that the same way that you were intentionally praying for and influencing and training up your own children, you also were doing that with local athletes in your own community because they were just as important to develop as your own children. Even though we already said your family is your first priority, they needed discipled just like everybody else did. And especially for you who we've heard your story before of somebody that came to faith because of a coach and a coach that was willing to invest into you. Now we see the impact that comes out of it. Well, that's much appreciated. And I'll tell you what Dan is. Um, he's exceptional, absolutely exceptional. And he is, he is a living example of all that we talked about just before the break about how he sets his family aside. I got to tell you this story to finish talking about Dan. I, I was a young, young guy doing inner city street work and working for the YMCA and young life. And I was called a youth worker, but it, I was most effective when I had a basketball in one hand and a Bible and the other, and they didn't call it sports ministry back then, but we had a camp. We had a weekend camp 
and we had over 300 kids that were coming to it. And this is way before cell phones. And the only way somebody could, could get in touch with anybody was every parent of every kid that was going on a retreat got a phone number that they put up on the refrigerator and called this, and it called right into the mess hall of the camp we were going to. That was the only way. And so we're having our pre-camp staff meeting, and the guy who's leading it, somebody comes out of the mess, mess hall and says, uh, hey, is there a guy by the name of, and yeah, so he went in, took the call, came back, and he said, hey, guys, um, okay, I know I was going to do the talks, you're doing those now, and I was going to do that skit, you're doing that now, and I was going to do that seminar, and you're going to do that now, and you're going to lead these meetings. Why? What are you going to do? Well, my wife needs me. What? Your wife needs you? you got 300 kids and everything's dependent upon you? I'll tell you what, I was really mad at him. I was really, really mad at him. How could he do that? This is a bad example. You can't do this. You're, a, you're being a bad Barnabas. You're being a bad Paul, you know? He died way too young. And at his funeral, if... I just hope that my kids and wife could say half the things that they said about him. And he modeled for me what that looked like. And taking it back to Dan, Dan's doing that. And Dan made a decision last year to put his family ahead mm-hmm. of a major conference. That's the kind of man that Dan Stouffer is. Well, not just a major conference, a major um, committee meeting as well, because he was about to be named our executive director for the board meeting that same weekend. And yet yeah. he still stayed behind to take care of his family. And, and you know, we, we all know this, that if the guy who I told the story about if he did that every single camp or every single year or month, he wouldn't have had a job. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he didn't do that all the time, but he did it whenever he needed to. And so when I now want to compliment my dear brother, Dan, this is the highest compliment that I can pay to him, that he's a living example of he's putting his family first. And there are times that our families, um, their needs preclude what we can do in ministry. But that's not all the time. That's the rarity. That's the exception. So that's the highest compliment that I can pay Dan is not only is he leading with grace and wisdom and, and a deep spirituality, but he's modeling this, what we've just got done talking about. Now, Greg, we, we have another Timothy here for you to, that wants to, to talk with you as well. So he's driving at the moment, so those watching won't be able to see. But can you hear us, Garrett? How's it going? So, Garrett, you're, you you're on live. Uh, Dr. Linville is here. Um, you know, We're celebrating 50 years in ministry. We're talking about Timothy relationships and, and the Paul-Timothy relationship. And so we wanted to let you share a little bit about that Paul Timothy relationship specifically with Greg, man. So 50 years, 
50. I'm not sure if I should like compliment or insult. I'm not a, a hundred. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to do that, I've got the rim shot ready. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I am. Uh, I'm so honored uh, and flattered that you, you asked me to, uh, to join you guys on this because uh, I can honestly count on one hand um, the, the number of people uh, that, that I would say had uh, a, a monumental impact uh, on my life uh, outside of my, my parents. And, and Greg Linville would absolutely be uh, one of those people. Uh, there was so many uh, different life lessons, whether it would be, uh, you know, I, I just heard the, the story. I came in at the end. Uh, I specifically remember Greg telling that story and, and talking about how your family is your first ministry. And he, he, he repeated that over and over, not, not to be annoying or repetitive or anything like that, but that way it would drive home a point that if we get those things out of whack, uh, that, that we're not going to experience the, the, the fruitfulness of what God has for us. And so, uh, I just uh, I remember that specifically, but whether it would be that or or silly things like, you know, teaching us how to play cricket or, <laughs> uh, you know, lessons on, you know, this is probably what Paul was looking at while he was writing his letters and the, the games and the sports and, you know, just all of that kind of stuff over the years. And then then even even, even after college um, time spent with him, whether it be with with CSRM or. Uh, there was times where, you know, he was helping a, a church I was working at uh, transition. And there's just so many different uh, times where uh, when I would need advice or uh, somebody I even knew needed advice, uh, he would be one of the guys to go to. So uh, I've just always been been so appreciative of him and uh, what he's done, not not just in my my own life, but in the pro in the uh, the more broad ministry of, of sports ministry uh it's it's just an honor to get to uh to to have worked under him g-man thank you my friend hey my question you know what it is what what, what have what have you done today okay what have you done today to let your kids know that you love their mother Yep, I, I can. Uh, I remember you asking that uh, so many times, so many times. Uh, and you know what? Fortunately, uh, I actually do have a good answer. Uh, so, so today was a crazy busy day for me. Uh, we we ended up having to work out a bunch of stuff. But one of the things that my wife always enjoys is uh, sitting down together for dinner. Uh, and even if she's making something that I'm not the fondest of, uh, you know, that, uh, that I would still be a good example to the girls and eat all my vegetables and all of whatever she put on my plate, uh, without complaining and asking her to order pizza instead. So, <laughs> uh, so today, uh, we ate one of my least favorite meals, uh, despite me not even having real time to eat. Cause I'm, I'm driving up tonight cause I have a podcast that we do. Uh, but, but I made sure I got off work early so we could sit down for 45 minutes 
uh, and eat together, despite it not being my favorite. Well, you're like me. You outpunted your coverage with that woman you got. You better love her. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm I'm so thankful that she's uh, blind in one eye and can't see out of the other. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett, thanks for coming on, man. I'll, we'll let you get back on the back uh, focused on the highway a little bit as you go up. Um, if if anybody's interested, you can check out Garrett on Twitter. If you're a fantasy football guy, at um, Dynasty Price, um, he is one of the Dynasty nerds um, and is constantly covering fantasy football. Um, and he also has been doing not not quite as much because of like what we've been talking about with priorities and time and, and family. But he does occasionally also do some good fancy football devotionals through Twitter as well. So go check him out there. Garrett, we'll uh, we'll we'll get you back on at some point, man. Absolutely. Greg, congratulations. Uh, thank you again for uh, for all the time and effort and energy uh, that you've poured into my life. Still praying for you, my friend, and you—you you, you have always had my heart, G man. You know that. I appreciate it. You guys have a good, uh, good rest of the show. All right. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. So Thanks, Garrett. Yep. We'll see you. So, part of what you know, both of you have highlighted here, going into these these different levels of relationship, is that the the family side of this relationship that we talked about at the beginning is fully connected to the Paul Timothy relationship as well, both in the way that we treat our kids and as the way that we model things. Um, you know, part of what you, you, you have talked about throughout all of the different classes and, you know, get, you just made Garrett do homework right here on air as well, as far as the way that we show our children how to love their spouse the way that we we show our spouse that we love them through the way we love our children. Those sort of things are things that are are modeled and that you as Paul have modeled to a lot of us Timothys that have come underneath you. You know, I think the the verse that kind of gets us to that point is really what we see in in 1 Timothy 1 2 of this idea of Paul referring to Timothy as my dearly beloved son. And this idea of this, the, the actual idea of a spiritual descendant and the way that you treat them and love them is very much the same level that you are loving your spiritual, your, your physical descendants as well. Great. Give a, before we move into the other side of the conversation, as far as the Timothy to Paul, help us understand from your perspective as somebody who has had probably hundreds of Timothys, if not more, across the globe over these past 50 years. How do you actually go about loving them as dearly beloved sons? We've moved on from the family relationships now, right, to other ones? Right. Now we're talking just in general of, you know, within the church. Well, we've, we've talked about the prayer, and I, I'm not going to beat that up anymore, but that I, I just say you got to have a prayer diary, and I have a prayer diary, and I pray every day. And there's there's some 
there's a, there's an old Celtic approach to it, and that every day of the week you pray for something different. For instance, on Saturdays, it's the Sabbath. It's the day for keeping us healthy. So you pray for people who need healing on, on Saturday. You pray on Sunday for people who are in, in vocational ministry. You, you pray, um, you know, if you look, the third day of the week uh, was, was when Jesus was at the wedding and, and you pray for people's marriages on, on Tuesdays being the third day of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Friday, you pray for people who have lost a child. So, Andrew, I pray for you at having lost a child on Fridays. And one of the and we also pray for grandparents who lost grandchildren because they're watching not only they've lost not only their grandchild, but they're watching their own child go through this agony. And so every day of the week you pray for different groups of people. But then beyond that, you, you, you have to figure out how you can best be of help to other people. And sometimes that comes, it may even feel like you're arrogant or you're, you're a know-it-all or no better than anybody else. But it, it's not, that's not the heart of it. The heart of it is, is trying to help people think through what's the next step. And, and I often ask people, when I come visit you in 10 or 20 years, where will you be and what will, what will you be doing? And according to what they're saying, then I would say, well, then you better go do this, that, the other thing. Because that's going to either take a degree, some college, something or other. It's going to take an experience. It's going to take you being more physically fit. It's going to, whatever it might mean. And, and I th- this intentionality of of really thinking through what is it is what is it that this that these people need and there are some generalities we all need bible study and then there's specifics and you have to you know the, the scripture that when we going back to the first segment the scripture says raise up a child in the way that they should go it doesn't say raise every child the same and that's the same with our spiritual Timothys. They're all supposed to go different, do different things. And so how do we raise them up? And, uh, you know, G-Man was, we, we thought maybe there would be a sports ministry to local church, but he's, he's forming his own path. And he's going in an, he's going on another sports ministry route well let's get them there how can we do that and that's part of of really sincerely thinking and praying about god here's this timothy what what am i supposed to do it's intentional if it's not intentional it's accidental at best and, and that's what I don't know if I'm helping you or not, but that's oh, no, 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 because that that word right there is is the key, I think, to all of these different things, both the family and the church is the intentionality, you know, is is the uh, the phrase you just the the catchphrase you just give that that's Roger, isn't it? The if it's not intentional, it's accidental at best. 
I don't know where that came from. For some reason, I'm thinking it's pre- – well, if it is a sports ministry term, it definitely comes from Roger Oswald. Shout out well, to Roger everything Oswald. Everything started with Roger. Everything <laughs> comes from him. But, you know, the the intentionality aspect of all of this is really the key. And, you know, I think that is part of what has set, you know, set you apart, specifically Greg, as somebody that has been able to do this for 50 years in multiple roles, whether that was in the local church or in the university or in the paraministry field or through writing of books or through training up, you know, guys like PF um, to be able to go and find other people in other nations that are going to rise up and do it in their nation as well. You, your intentionality is, I think, part of what separates you out as well as most Pauls that are actually doing the work of raising up Timothy's that raise up Timothy's, you know, the, the disciple making disciples is this, this fact of you, you are not cookie cuttering every single person and doing everything the same way you have for 50 years. Everybody that has walked through your office, wherever that office has been, has been a new person that you are intentionally getting to know and disciple and pray for. You know, I I remember very distinctly walking into your office and you then saying, you need to come with me because I forgot I have a final I'm supposed to be giving in the other room. <laughs> but having to go with you for you to give out the final and then go back to your office and you sitting there asking me why sports ministry? Why this school? Why are you even here? And, you know, for... And for some people listening in, it may have even sounded a little bit harsh and gruff because you were asking very straight questions to a high school senior that you had just met that had traveled eight hours to come. But what the conversation ended with was, you are not supposed to be here just doing this. You need to also be studying this, this, and this so that we can get you to where God has called you. Because it wasn't about another student under Greg Linville that eventually is going to come work for him at CSRM. It was about another image bearer that God has placed in my care that I can now invest into intentionally to grow, which is why when we did lose Carson, the phone call from you was I'm going to say this one thing, and then you are going to talk. Tell me what you need me to do right now. There was no agenda. There was no, this is what the Bible says. There's none of that. It was, what do you need me to do right now? Do you need me to hang up the phone? Do you need me to yell and scream with you? Do you need me just to pray with you? Do you need me to send food up? Do you need to just yell and vent on your side of the phone? What do you need from me as Paul right now? And that is something that honestly I think only comes as a spiritual gift to people that have gone through those five B's that we talk about, that have fully become a disciple of Jesus and are ready to go out and make more disciples, is this this willingness to actually be intentional and invest into the next generation, whether it benefits you or not. Now, the other side of this conversation 
is what Garrett and I and Dan all have already talked about is what does it look like to be Timothy to Paul? <laughs> and the first part of this, we kind of already talked about. And that is the fact that we as Timothys have to be willing to go and find a Paul. If we are not willing to be discipled, the disciples cannot disciple us. It's got to be intention intentionality on our part as well. Great. What has it been for you that you have seen, whether in your own experience as a Timothy or with any of the Timothys that you have brought up? What really stands out for you as far as the heart of somebody that is wanting to submit to this kind of discipleship? Well, I think you're touching on something that is really very significant because we live in a day and age, and I'm not so sure that that couldn't be said about every day and age. That In some form, yes. <laughs> yes, that, that um, what Paul did with Barnabas, and basically what Paul did was saying, hey, old man, when are you going to step aside? You know, you're you're too long in a tooth here, and it's time to let the new guy come along. And that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about CSRM is that we're one of the few ministries, paraministries, whatever, churches that have staff emeritus. Mm-hmm. Because we have said we need to always, always honor that generation that's out there. And this is, and, I, and I'll sing yours and Dan's praises because you guys, uh, you probably listen to me too much. You're trying to give me too much honor. Um, but, the, but the young buck, they have some strength that the old guy doesn't. But there's a lot, a lot of wisdom that they don't have yet. Speaking and, of staff emeritus, before before you continue, you do have a message from one of them as well. So Brian Mason, the <laughs> you know, our good friend across the pond that is probably asleep at the moment, and so he could not join us. Right. Wanted to pass on a message to you. He said, our journey together along the North Atlantic Corridor over the year has, has been a welcome boost to the UK sports ministry and the bedrock of family relationships. Our time together in Egypt and on in, in the Holy Land was particularly memorable. Half a century of sports ministry impact. Greg, you have been a gift of internet to international growth and development. Enjoy your many accolades, and you know that you have been a blessing to all. Yeah, it was, again, pre-cell phone days, and two people don't even know what this is anymore, but they were airmail letters that crossed over the Atlantic, his coming to me and mine going to him. And that's how we corresponded for the first few years. And then one of my greatest joys was when he, he was on the CSRM staff and we served together. And um, he's another one that has just modeled stuff. And, and yeah, he's a few years ahead of me. He's been a mentor to me. Um, we've, we've been Paul's together in a lot of ways. But uh, 
I'd really recommend his book, Maintaining Pace. And anybody in sports ministry, uh, God in the Stadium, uh, mm-hmm. there's there's nobody better than Brian Mason. And well, and and really, the Maintaining Pace book is a lot of what you were about to get into, mm-hmm. as far as for people like me and Dan and Garrett, mm-hmm. as far as that are still Timothys to guys like you and Brian, but that also are finding Timothys of our own is that the Maintaining Pace book by Brian Mason highlights for us the wisdom of the Pauls that we had as well. Yeah. You know, your thousands of books that if you're not, you yourself didn't write, you at least edited or mentioned in. Highlight again the fact of, you know, we already talked again, how many things have come from Roger Oswald and the influence that he had of this, whether, you know, for them, they were more of a Barnabas to Timothy to me through you, but their impact still is felt. But it only comes from being intentional about actually seeking these people out and wanting to hear their stories. Yeah, you're right on it. And the older you get, the harder it is to find somebody older than you uh, to, to help with these things. And, and you had said this before, because you're, you're wise enough to understand that age is not necessarily the thing, but it, there does have to be some years. And, and you and Don Renninger before you, you guys have often said to me, you know, you know, Linville, you don't, you don't know this technology stuff, but man, you make us work because you're always trying to get us to do stretch where we're at. And, and you're always asking us to do more than, than we've ever done before. And, I, and, and so you've been a mentor to me in these areas. And even today with this new way of doing this recording, you're, you're, you're out there, you're my mentor. And I would be absolutely stupid if I didn't bow before your wisdom in these areas but I also want to say that that you have have as much as anybody said, teach me. And and even to the point where you say, I want to do these podcasts with you because I want to learn it. I want to get it. And I can't emphasize enough that this this is an attitude. This is a spirit that we have. And if we can't be teachable, we're not going to learn anything. And and I mentioned the, the guy that I went to and about asking him about Sabbath and stuff. And, and another guy that I went to and I said, what would you do differently? I'm just starting my seminary. What would you do differently? And he said, I would do my daily devotions in the original languages. In other words, I would read the Greek New Testament or the Hebrew Old Testament. And I said, why would you do that? He says, because I lost all my Hebrew and all my Greek within six months of seminary. You know what? I said, I'm doing that. And I, I had to make a decision. I knew I was going to be more a new Testament guy. And, and I have done, I've done the Greek. I I did it this morning. I'm doing it every day. Well, as much as you do that five, six days a week. And, and I haven't lost it. I'm getting better at it. And, and so going to people and just saying, pour into my life. And I, 
whoever's watching or listening to this and you're the senior pastor and 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 you're the head of the ministry you need to have your church and i tell this to churches all the time you need to have your church set aside a few thousand dollars every year so that you can go and sit with people so that you can be mentored by them that needs to be part of every budget that every ministry leader gets in front of people and and then you just get out the pad get out your digital whatever take the notes you need to take the notes and you need to meditate on them and cogitate on them because you yeah you're the senior pastor and you're 45 but you don't know it all and there's some people out there that if you'd be willing to sit with them sit with them once a week sit with them once a year sit with them on a regular basis that's who's going to take you where you need to go and i was i was stupid when i was young and i didn't do that enough but i learned quick enough that i've learned enough and if i have anything to pass on today it's because i was willing to listen and learn from some people so well and you know something that you just highlighted there is something that you know garrett i know has said the same thing you know shout out to hunka he said the same thing the fact that you know you were told by an elder minister to stay current within the original languages current within the original languages as much as you can uh <laughs> but that is something that you instilled in us as freshmen within your sports ministry classes mm-hmm. you know the one of the unfortunate unfortunate but fortunate things is that the majority of the theology that I learned as far as what theology is and what it looks like and how it's applied and all of these different things came from you and your sports ministry classes more than the actual classes that were designed for theology. Because you intentionally went about instilling that desire and hunger for the word in its original language and in the message that it portrays throughout all time in your Timothy's. Well, I've had a real blessing to, to be called a professor at a number of different universities in three different countries. And I'm not going to tell you which one it was because I don't want to be mean spirited in any way. There were good people in all of them, but I was asked to teach a theology class and, um, I was more known, as you said, in the sports ministry or the ministry world. Uh, So I was always in the pragmatic side of it. And for that theology class, the textbook was the Gospel of John. And the, the other faculty members really took me apart and said, how can you teach a theology class like that? And I, and I did what I just did then. I just laughed. I said, what, what do you mean? What, what's a better textbook than the Bible? And he said, well, you can't teach theology from that. And I said, well, let's think about this. Let's think uh, soteriology, chapter three. Hmm. 
and I went right down through missiology and and ecclesiology and Christology and all the ologies, and I and I kept pointing to this chapter and that chapter and that chapter. And I'll tell you what, some of the students in that class, they still come back and talk about the same kind of thing that you just talked about. And I, yeah, I, I know I, I, I'm I'm still being trained. I'm in a I'm in a like a, a year and a half course right now, um, and we're studying theology. And the textbook we have is not the Bible, but the textbook is written by a, a theologian that every single paragraph has the Bible in it. Mm-hmm. And 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 so we've got to have this, Andrew, don't we? We've just got to have that as part of who we are. And if we don't, we don't last. That's for sure. Hey, you and, know, and, you, yeah, you've, it, been, you've been more than honoring on, on this, and I I'm I'm uh, embarrassed by it. Well, we have one more comment to embarrass you with here. (laughs) We've got one more comment to embarrass you with. Our good friend Don Wyrick over at Playing for Eternity typed an entire book in three three parts here. Uh, Greg, I don't know if you can see it or not, but it's a one of you know, Greg. You're one of my most favorite people in the world. The amount you have poured into me via encouragement, instruction, teaching, and mentoring sharing your wisdom and just being an amazing example of what a godly man's sports ministry should look like, which want to point out that everything he just said there is second Timothy three and four, which is exactly what you were just highlighting with the need for theology. So it's all on point. Um, the example of what a godly man's sports ministry should look like has been immeasurable. You challenge me by using words I don't know, which again goes back to the whole Greek thing, but I immediately go look them up. One of my most lifting moments within ministry was when you asked me to endorse your book. It blew my mind that someone with your credentials asks, asks that. And lastly, our conversations that we share often at reach, especially this last one during the sunset have impacted my life in all aspects can't thank you enough and love you kindly, sir. Hey, Don, you, my man. And, you know, you, nobody was supposed to know we weren't in the session. We were out there worshiping God with that sunset. <laughs> hey, you know, Andrew, I'm going to tell you, it, this is, this is why we do ministry, man. Don and I have a heart just like you and I have a heart and, and we sit there and those are those moments where they're with you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, I, and ones just come to my mind, my, my, my dear brother, Rob Burns, not the Scottish poet, I'm not that old, but Rob Burns, who's doing the uh, sports ministry and stuff in, in Wales. And he and I sat in a, in a chapel, a Welsh chapel where for hundreds of years prayers were made and he and I sat there and we prayed and, and this sunset over the Chesapeake Bay with Don Wyrick being at the Joe Gibbs racing center on nine 11 and watching on the, on the max, the plane going into the train, the trade center. And these moments that you get to be with, with these dear brothers, you mentioned Brian Mason who had, had, made comments earlier these these are just precious precious memories and that 
This, this is the joy that you have if you follow Jesus and you enter into relationships with people. I, I could go on and on. I can still remember these times and places with these people and what a joy it is. Uh, you've heard this from other people, but I feel like I've never worked a day in my life. This anybody that wants a anybody wants a joyous life, get into sports ministry, man. The people are great. The the the, the activities are wonderful, and it it's just a blessing beyond belief. Um, so we, you know, Greg, we we've got about uh, a minute and a half here left here, but we want to make sure people know where they can find out more about exactly what you were just talking about. One place that you can go to find out as far as the sports ministry side of things, as far as what this looks like. Cause you know, like we've said, and like Don just talked about what Brian has talked about, you know, the, there's really no better place for relationship building outside of a sports ministry setting, because you have to be communicating or you're not going to do well, which there's a few NFL teams this week that probably could learn that lesson also. <laughs> but you know, if you want to learn more sports ministry stuff, go to CSRM.org. Um, we are doing some website maintenance, but at the moment, the website is up. It's looking great. Shout out to Kat. Um, and that you can find out some more information there. If you want to find out more information about resourcing on that, as well as where you can find all of the books that were mentioned today, both that Dr. Linville has written, as well as Brian Mason has written, um, you can find that at overwhelmingvictory.org. Um, those of you that are listening to either this, either on the CSRM podcast or the Ministry Misfits podcast, um, you know, you can always also listen to all of these podcasts there on the website as well with OV Radio. If you would like to support Dr. Linville, go to CSRM.org backslash donate. We have to raise our own salaries um, through the sports ministry stuff. And so if you go there, you can do that. And I believe through there, you can also donate to his 50th anniversary legacy fund. Um, assuming that that is still up, but I've been out, out of the loop for memos. So that may not be the case, but you know, yeah, um, your clarity, that's not going to me. That's going to endow the work around the world. Right. And, it's going to do exactly what we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Of, you know, you know, your your legacy, Greg, is far more reaching than you probably even realize because of the work that has happened through CSRM specifically that you helped found that you chaired for 25 years. And that, you know, now even outside of CSRM through the stuff that we're doing with Misfits through the stuff that goes on at First Friends, through their sports ministries, through all of the students and everything else, the amount of people that you have impacted is probably incalculable. All praise to Jesus. Thank you. Also with that, speaking of the misfits, if you would like to find out more about the misfits stuff, you can go to our website. That's ministrymisfits.com. Um, it's mostly updated for the most part, as far as updated with everything else. Although this stuff that we've just been talking about episode wise is not on there yet. Obviously, um, if you want to support the misfits, you can do that by going to patreon.com backslash mystery misfits. Or if you would rather, you know, get all of our nice misfits merch, you can do that by going to mysterymisfits.com backslash shop, where you can find all of that stuff there as well. Um, 
in the meantime, also, if you want to help us out, you can do so by sharing this video, by sharing the podcast, by giving us the five-star rating, which I just realized I don't have Essie's five stars on here at the moment. So sorry, Greg, you don't get to hear that one. Um, but anyway, we thank you all for listening. Thank you for the comments, Greg. We thank you for 50 years of service to to the kingdom and to us as well as individuals. Um for, for all the work that you have put in for your books, for for the teaching, for, for all of these past 50 years, both you and Jane and everything that you guys have done. So um, anyway, if you missed some of this and are listening to this live, if you go to the Misfits podcast tomorrow, you will be able to hear it on audio anywhere you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you all next week. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash Ministry Misfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash Ministry Misfits. 